Relating a vision he received, Peter explains that God's mercy now extends to all people, and Jews and Gentiles alike now constitute God's people. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Now the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, Why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Then Peter began to explain it to them, step by step, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. As I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I replied, By no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time, the voice answered from heaven, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times. Everything was pulled up again to heaven. At that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me to go with them and not to make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen the angels standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as it had upon us at the beginning. And I remember the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us, when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? When they heard this, they were silenced, and they praised God, saying, Then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance what leads to life. The word of the Lord. The psalm appointed for this morning is Psalm 148. Please stand as you are able and sing.
John is given a vision of God's ultimate glory, when all things will be reconciled to God and death will be overthrown forever. A reading from the Revelation to John. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them, they will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. The word of the Lord. Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. At the last supper when Jesus had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, as I said to you, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Come to us, Lord Jesus, come quickly, save us, help us, for without you we are like paper boats tossed upon a tempestuous sea. And on that day, the gospel reading, I directed the adults and the children to go outside with 
And they did. And they were confronted by a charcoal fire on which I placed fish fillets and bread. And I read the gospel as I was cooking that fish and that bread. And you should have seen the expression on their faces. Some looked as if they were trying to say, we have to eat that. I don't like fish. Do I have to eat something I don't like? Those expressions show just like some of your expressions right now, but no one dared, at least for a while, to ask the question. And then one person did. He dared. And it was Sean. And Sean raised his hand and asked, Are we going to eat that? And everyone was relieved that Sean asked the question that they couldn't or wouldn't. I said it first to Sean, well, let's wait and see. Something's all shifted. And then I went on to say, yes, Sean, we are going to eat some of that fish and this bread. Still, some of the others questioned, why is he doing this? The disciples on that seashore knew that it was Jesus preparing fish for them. They didn't know this well. Literally did yes, no. I wonder, I wonder what. They were still confused. The resurrection was a little bit for them. They hadn't assimilated all that that, that meant. Now the gospel says this was the third event, third time Jesus appeared to them. Look at the gospel and maybe the fifth time, but that's alright. He thought and tells the story from his own perspective. perspective. Point is that the disciples were still confused. They saw him die. It took a long time to assimilate the truth that he was raised from the dead and back with them. To teach them, to encourage them, to make them strong in what they would do in following him. And John's gospel more than implied. More than implies that the real presence of Jesus is not a past thing, but a continuing thing. He's present with us today. And we, like the disciples at breakfast on that sea, that seashore, may be confused at times and wonder, who is this? How can this be? And through the eyes of faith, our faith, and through the eye, faith eyes of our children, we begin to see him in them, in others, and then in ourselves. Is it really Jesus in others and in us that we see? Well, look at the consequences of that presence with us. The blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the poor have good news Pardon the sinners are forgiven. The dead are raised up. Expect to see Jesus the risen one in all sorts and conditions of people, and you will. Yes, Sean, we will eat this bread and this fish. Yes, Sean, he is still with us. 
Yes, y'all, we see him in the likes of, of you and others, and then we come to see him in ourselves. Dad has asked us to consider over the last couple of weeks our favorite story of Jesus without looking it up. He's, what he is asking is more, far more than trivial or casual busy work. We've all been in school where we had busy work, something to pass the time. Dan is not asking us to pass the time in some trivial way. Our individual stories of Jesus, our favorite stories in the moment, are what shape us in our faith right now. And our collective stories at Advent Church shape us in this church. And our stories tell what we know. And our collective stories at Advent Church tell what we as a community of faith know. And that's what we're supposed to tell when others come to us and say, we would see Jesus that you know. Yes, what we have heard from other people in the past informs us. Yes, what we have read from the Gospels and the commentary inform us. But what we know ourselves in truth and for real is what we're supposed to share. That's the good news that we're to tell. We help others know our, we tell others our story so that they know their story is and counts. And they in turn join us and tell us to encourage us and so that others will know that their stories are true and real and count for something. My favorite story this week, and it changes from day to day and week to week based upon what I need at the given point in time. My favorite story this week is the story of Lazarus staying at the tomb, Jesus staying at the tomb of Lazarus and saying, Lazarus, come forth. Now, why is this my favorite story this week? It is because I needed to hear it. My daughters needed to hear it. Their mother, Suzanne, needed to hear it. My daughter's mother, Suzanne, has been hospitalized this week after contracting the swine flu virus and double pneumonia. Last Thursday, she was placed on a ventilator in the hospital, put under heavy sedation, and last Saturday was given the last rites. She began to turn the corner and things began to get better on Sunday. Two days ago, she awakened out of that sedative sleep and was able to see people and hear them and respond to them, even though she still has the ventilator on. She can't be taken off the ventilator at this point because the lungs are not strong enough to give her the oxygen that her body needs. And she tires very quickly, very easily, so they keep putting her back in sedation to let her body, her body rest. But I needed for her and for my daughters and for me to hear Lazarus say to her this week, Suzanne, come forth. 
as he brought Lazarus out of that tomb of death, he's bringing Suzanne, the mother of my daughters, out of that infection, disease, tomb of death. From my birth on, in my son's 67 years, Jesus has called my name. The angel has come forth and brought me back from the grips of death. He's done that for us at Advent Church in recent history. Recent history, if you will, because a successful liver, liver transplant. Ken was back in church with us for the first time last week because Jesus said to him, Ken, come forth, and Ken did. Think back on Dale's surgery. How long ago, Dale? A month? 14th of April? Less than a month. I feel like that. <laughs> you are. Because Jesus said to you, Dale, come forth. And he did. That story affects me personally, it affects us individually, it affects us corporately as a community of faith. So I ask you this question. What is your favorite Jesus story right now, in this moment, based on your circumstances? What is your need? What do you need to hear Jesus, the risen one, saying to you? Right now, based on your circumstances. You didn't realize this. You have a neighbor in this community of faith sitting next to you, in front of you, side, behind you, to your right, to your left, across the room, who needs to hear some story of Jesus today. And maybe your story is what they need to hear. Or maybe their story is what you need to hear. So I want to do something now that I don't usually do at a certain time. I want you to turn with your neighbor. Front, back, right, left, across the room, whatever. And tell your favorite story. Just by title. Title you can remember. And tell what it's important to you. What it means to you. I'm going to give you one minute. If anyone's alone by yourself, raise your hand. Dan will go to them. I will come to you. We want you to have someone. On your mark, set, go. Three people can share.
shared something that meant to you. That is your story. You, you shared with me, encouraged me in my story. Hear that. This little exercise for a minute or so. You have been evangelists. We've just paid a shy away from that. That's the E word. You've been an evangelist. You've been following the command of Jesus. Come and see. Come, follow me. Now, having said that, I did this at 8 o'clock. I do this at 10.15. I need three people out of this congregation who will take this sheet, fill it out this week, and give it back to me next Sunday. Just putting down the title of your story, important, important parts of it for you, might mean something to you. We have a lot of people here, I only have three. So I should get three easy. Would someone volunteer? 